Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. If you're just new to the area, maybe the last few months, six, eight months, this is like summer all the time. We're between 65 and 74. So uh, welcome. Welcome to Texas. Glad you're here. Hey, uh, before I dive into the message, week two of uh, Help is here. Excited about today. I got a lot today, so I want to get going. <clears throat> a couple things, VBS donations, you can do that in the, in the lobbies of all of our campuses. Uh, those donations really help us. So if you can go pick one of those up at the kiosk there, the VBS kiosk in, in all of our lobbies, that would be great. Um, also, this Friday night, all of our young adults from 18 to 28, a big, big kind of party thing, Enneagram study, becoming you, figuring out that whole thing uh, from a Christian perspective. Uh, some of our leaders from Hope Fellowship, the West Campus, they're going to be teaching this, and then there's a party afterwards, all kinds of things. So if you're 18 to 28, you can, hope, you can uh, sign up, hopefellowship.net slash you. We'd love to have you. Um, every once in a while, I like to introduce you to ministry partners that we have around the world. Um, we have a lot of them. Uh, one of the biggest that we have in the, in the way of relationship and the way of financial uh, partnership is City Relief in New York City. Many of you have been on a New York City trip with us over the years. It is my favorite trip that we've ever done. Uh, I love what New York City or the City Relief bus does. I love what they've, for 12 years we've been going. And today, the CEO of City Relief in New York City and the boroughs surrounding that area, Josiah, is here. And I want him to come up and I want to just introduce him to you. <clears throat> Some of you know him. I love you, man. And you got the Hope shirt on. Exactly. I, got, I got hooked up. Look at that. I love it. I love it. Well, this is Josiah Hankin. He is the CEO of City Relief. I'm not taking an offering. We're not doing that. All I want you to do is hear from his heart. He said a few months ago, we talked on the phone. He's, he's, he's got a new book coming out, so I'll let you know about that as well. But um, for, over, for 12 years, we've partnered with you guys. A couple months ago, we were talking on the phone. He says, hey, listen, I'm, I want to come to town, and I just want to say thank you to the family of Hope. Would that be okay? And I said, man, come on. When, when are you coming? Let's do it. So Josiah... Glad you're here, man. Amazing. It's a, it's you, you guys don't know how amazing you are, okay? So sometimes when you're in it, you don't feel it so much because it's like, it's just, I'm just me, right? No, let me from the outside in tell you how awesome you are, okay? Is that okay? For 12 years, Hope Fellowship has been coming to yeah. serve in New York City, along with our team, you have been helping us distribute hot meals to men and women who are in the street. Yep. You've been helping us distribute socks and toiletries. You've been praying with our guests. You've been engaging with our, our friends. And most importantly, you've been pointing people to hope and to, and to Christ. And it has been incredible. And then on top of that, on top of sending hundreds of volunteers and thousands of hours of service, you've also been giving and making it possible for us to keep going even when you can't be there. So yeah. you guys, you don't get this. You guys have given in 12 years $562,000. Wow. Awesome. Seriously, awesome. this is incredible. We would not be here without you. And I just want to real quick reference. Our, our organization was built on Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, it says this. It says, it's not this 
the fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And it goes on to say, then your light, your light will break forth like the dawn. Yeah. And so just, I've been, I started that as an outreach leader 12 years ago. I have the privilege of being the CEO now. Um, it's been a whole four months, we're, you know, so we're hanging in there. I've, uh, so, so far you're doing so good. So far, so good. So far, so good. But to, just to say thank you is, 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 the, is the least I can do for this community. So I also want to reiterate this. You guys don't know how special you are. You guys are living out Isaiah 58 in this community. Friends at Hope Fellowship, your light is breaking forth like the dawn. And I'm just so grateful on behalf of our team and the people we serve. Thank you. Thank you, man. Lana, come join me. Lana's our missions pastor. We're going to pray over Josiah. Four months ago, he took over as CEO, Richard Galloway, our good friend. I've ridden motorcycles with, with Richard in Colorado. He started this how many years ago? 33 years ago. 33 years ago in New York City. He's an incredible guy. Meets with uh, you every, every Wednesday. Week. And I'm just telling you, we love Josiah. We love City Relief. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Lana, you do an awesome job at leading all of our trips. I know this is one of your favorite ones. So would you just join across all of our campuses, those of you online, would you just join us in praying over him and his family? Lord, we just love you. We thank you for City Relief in New York bringing hope, bringing life, bringing health to that community and every person they come in contact with. God, I pray for increased vision. I pray for the resources, the connections, the city connections that they need, everything that they need. Give them each day their daily bread. We trust you for that. Lord, I pray for Josiah's family, his wife and kids. I pray blessing over them that there would be uh, great time spent together as much as they serve and wash the feet of others, I pray that they would have great encouragement in their home, that their kids would, would be raised up to, to not only know you, but love you and serve you uh, like their mom and dad. I pray blessing in every way, every detail. You know all the challenges that they're facing even right now. We pray over them and pray your kingdom come, your will be done in city relief in Josiah and his family, and all the staff as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love you, man. I love you. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, guys. Um, so good. Man, if you, can, if, you can, if you can sign up to go on one of our trips, we take, I think, two, two a year or so to City Relief, do so. Okay, um, we're in a series called Help is Here. And when Jesus said, it's better that I go away that when I go away, I'm going to send you the promised Holy Spirit. Now, over the last hundred or so years, uh, the Pentecostal movement in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there's been uh, just a, a resurgence of the third person of the Godhead exploring that, trying to journey that out. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not just this I don't know, ghostly figure, this, this spirit that we don't really know about, to walking with the spirit. And for those of you that have just graduated high school across all of our campuses or maybe online or graduated college or whatever, I couldn't think of a better series as we've been talking about. What does it mean to walk with the spirit? If Jesus says it's better that I go away, I think we better pay attention 
to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean to walk with the Spirit? Over the uh, or last week, we started this series, and it helps me to have a picture of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. And we're going to visit some of these scriptures in just a minute, but I just want to recap what we talked about last week. The very first thing that happens, and by the way, I think if you zoom out of Acts 2, there's more to it than just one thing that we can pull away from it. There's more than just tongues or the gift of another language or even power to be a witness. There, there's, there's an all-encompassing relationship that we or that started the birth of the church in the, the Acts 2 narrative. And, and the first thing that happens is, is regeneration. There's this salvation, this spiritual birth that happens where the Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit of God fills our lives. When we cross that line of faith and we put our faith in, in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and through his resurrection, there is a filling of the Spirit, and that's regeneration. Then we talked about uh, guidance and leadership, the, the spiritual leadership leading to all truth, Jesus said, and then the practical leadership. Paul in, in Galatians 5 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, your everyday life. That's what we're exploring. How do we, how do we work that out? Today, I'm going to talk about um, the gifts and the power to be a witness. Then the next week, we're going to talk about transformation, the, the transforming work, the ongoing sanctification, the ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives until we are translated or until we die. Uh, today, gifts or power to be a witness. I want to start with going back to Acts 1, so stay with me. I'm going to move pretty quick today because I have a lot of information. How many are, how many are ready you're just like, man, you could not wait to get to church this morning. Okay, all right, good. 13 of you, let's go. Here we go. You ready to cross our campus? This is Acts 1. Let's visit some of these passages. So when the apostles were with Jesus, so this is after his resurrection, before his ascension. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So again, I think that uh, in, in that day, they were looking for this overthrow of Rome still. They still, even after Jesus' resurrection and all that he taught them, they still were not getting the point that it was not about a physical overthrow of Rome at that moment or at that time. It was a spiritual kingdom that he was building. And I think that for a lot of us, I get this a lot, we are fixated, we are fascinated, which is okay to be fascinated and to study, about end times. We are fascinated with Jesus' coming and, and over my lifetime, I mean, I've had many antichrists that have been, Henry Kissinger was an antichrist back in the 70s. I remember this, hearing this. And, and the coming of Jesus was coming in, in, in 1988 or the coming of Jesus was coming in some other year and I, I was raised with this and it's so good to study Revelation. In fact, you're blessed to do it. But, but I, don't, I don't think we get fixated with when is Jesus coming. I think we get busy about the work that he's called us to do and, and just trust that he's coming. And here's why I say that. Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Right? Hey, mind your own business. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Right? But you will receive power. So in other words, hey, if you're fixated only on, on this kingdom that's coming, the overthrow of Rome or my coming, you're going to miss the point. 
of, of what this is all about, and I've got a work for you to do. Because he says, but you will receive power. Listen to that. We're going to talk about power to be a witness. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, starting there, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is Acts 1. Let's go to Acts 2. Here's what happened. I know we've read these, but we're going to read them again just for understanding. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongue or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's where we get this baptism. Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 2, Luke says, you Uh, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, why would they be speaking in other languages? Languages that they've never learned. Here's why. Next verse, chapter five, or chapter two, verse five. At that time, so at that time, while this is happening in Acts 2, for the festival of Pentecost, there are Jewish uh, people from all over the then known world coming together for this festival in Jerusalem. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud voice, so they were in a semi-public place as they were waiting for what Jesus said, hey, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait until he comes. And so they're waiting, not understanding what they're waiting for. They have no idea. Now, we look back and we go, oh, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Day of Pentecost, we understand. They didn't understand. They were just waiting, saying, God, whatever we're supposed to wait on, we're here. Come on. Have you ever done that with the Lord? Hey, we're here waiting. And it's like he's on his time, but man, when it happens, it happens. And so that's what was happening in this, in this time. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are, are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the, the, uh, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, and, all, and, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. So then, verse 14, here's what happens. Peter begins to preach. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, so they thought they were drunk. They were saying to each other, hey, these people are drunk. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. We do this later at night. Later at night is when you do that, right? Kidding, kidding. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will all prophesy, or they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before that great, great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. 
but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what would happen? Here's what happened so far. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, and you're going to receive power to be a witness. You'll be baptized with the Spirit. Luke 2, I mean, Acts 2, Luke says, and they were all filled with the Spirit, began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And the reason that they did that is because there were people, Jews, from all over the, the, the world coming together for, for, for Pentecost, and actually probably from Passover until Pentecost, they were living there, and they heard them speaking in their own native language. Let's just say in our context, uh, maybe people from Mexico are visiting our, 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 uh, our nation or people from Germany or France or Russia or wherever, and we're all having a conference, and then they hear us speaking in their own language, a language in which we've never learned, and they are fascinated. They're thinking, what is going on here? Then Peter steps up and he prophesies or he preaches and he says, guys, listen, this is what's happening. Now, he would use Old Testament scripture because these were all Jews. And they understood Joel. They understood. They've read this passage many, many times. And in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Here's what happened after Peter preached. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So let me put it on the screen. Like These are no-brainers. I know this, but, but I'm going to put it on the screen anyway. Here we go. The filling or baptism with the Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness. Okay, so we just witnessed this. The disciples, before the day of Pentecost, were hiding behind closed doors, afraid of the religious leaders that they might arrest them too because their affiliation with Jesus. When they are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are many things that happen. We talked about two of them last week. Today we're going to talk about they received power to be a witness in gifts. Now they are preaching to the very people that crucified Jesus. The very people that were standing there, crucify him, crucify him. They're preaching to them saying, you guys who crucified Jesus need to repent and you need to give your lives to Jesus because this is prophesied in the old scriptures, in the Old Testament. 3,000 crossed the line of faith and were baptized. So the filling or baptism with the Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness. Now, on the other side of this, another gift or another thing that happened on that day is the filling or baptism with the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to help us witness and to encourage one another. So let me talk about this one, because this is the one you all came for. Anytime you start speaking in tongues or talk about tongues, people get interested, right? Those of you Baptists are nervous right now. You are very nervous. You're like, what is he going to say? Get ready. It's all good. <clears throat> Why would they receive this gift? We already understand that because they were witnessing. They were saying the wonderful things that God has done. And because of that miracle, many, and, and Peter's preaching, many believed it was not by accident that this happened, but, but as a result of this, filling of the Spirit, salvation, the birth, the baptism in the body of Christ, regeneration, the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, in our truth lives, in our doctrine lives, and then the power to be a witness and gifts to accompany the advancement of the gospel. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. 
So when we talk about the day of Pentecost, it's, it's, a, it's an all-encompassing, again, relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit on everything that he has done in our lives. The birth, everything changed in Acts 2. From that moment on, the church, the disciples in the early days and to our day right now, it's never been the same. And it's been an incredible experience. So walking with the Spirit and understanding our relationship that gives the Spirit as well as all parts of the Spirit, are very important. So today I want to talk about, I want to give you, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to list out who, what Paul says as the gifts of the Spirit, and then we'll talk about them. Now let me just say as a preface to this, anyone who tells you that they have everything to say or that they know exactly how every gift works, I would just caution and put a red flag and say, don't listen to them. Because nobody knows exactly. We have a few passages to go on in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, a little bit of 13. And we just have to surmise and and just kind of be led of the Spirit to figure out, okay, so what do these gifts mean? And that's why I say to you, I just present to you what, what in, in my years of study, in my reading, thinking, praying, Saying, God, how do these work? Because, see, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I was raised in charismatic uh, church, so I understand some of these things, and I've seen the crazy of this. Some of you have no idea what I've seen, right? And you're just, and some of you get raised maybe a Catholic or Baptist, and you have no idea what I'm saying. That's okay. I've, I've grown, I would say grown, or I've began to figure out what do I believe about this? What do I think scripture, what, is I, what, do, I think Paul, what, what, do, what do I think Paul meant when he said this gift? Okay, so that's where we're going. 1 Corinthians 12, let's, let's read the first part of that, verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all from the same spirit. By the way, the, the gifts that we're getting ready to read, I'm not sure that they're an exhaustive list. In other words, I don't know that this is all. There's nine of them. He lists some other gifts in Romans these seem to be uh, a more, uh, well, actually, they are a supernatural work. So I would probably categorize these as separate than Romans 12, where you list gift of teaching, or leadership, serving, hospitality, and so forth. I think these would be a little bit different in the sense of the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, and he moves through us, and they're a supernatural gift of wisdom, and we'll talk about those things in just a minute, okay? So I don't know they're exhaustive, but I think it is. There are different ways to serve, but other, but the same Lord to serve. And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. So in other words, the gifts of the Spirit can be seen in any and every Christian for the common good. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom, and the same Spirit gives another the ability to speak with knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to one person, and to another that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. The Spirit gives another person the power to do miracles, to another the ability to prophesy, and he gives to another the ability to know the difference between good and evil spirits. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of languages, and to another, the, abil- the ability to interpret those languages. One spirit, the same spirit, does all these things. And the spirit, listen to this, the spirit decides what to give each person. So um, 
I've got a, a little bit more time, so I'm going to give you all these nine, and I'm going to give you my definition for each of these and an example, okay? Stay with me. Here we're going. Here we go. The first gift that he lists is the, the gift of wisdom. Here's my definition. <clears throat> a timely, spirit-led word of advice or wisdom that brings clarity and direction to a specific situation according to God's will. A timely spirit-led word of advice or wisdom that brings clarity and direction to a specific situation according to God's will. A great example of this would be Paul's letters when he writes Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, when he writes Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. When, when he writes these, they're filled with words of wisdom. Scripture, of course, right? Because the Holy Spirit is, is, is anointing him to write and anointing James and anointing Peter to write all these scriptures. But so many of these in, in, in Paul's writings and Peter's writings, words of wisdom that gives clarity, that gives direction to our lives according to God's will. All of these gifts, by the way, are practical gifts. They don't have to happen just from the stage, in fact, I believe the most powerful use of these gifts is in everyday life. Many people who were raised like I was say, hey, I mean, how come we never see this or that? And I'm saying, because that's on purpose. Because I want it to be done in order and that we walk with the Spirit in order so it can happen in a home group where somebody gives a word of wisdom, a, a timely word, Spirit-led, gift of the Holy Spirit, wisdom that brings clarity, direction, according to God's will for somebody's life. It can happen in your everyday life over lunch. And it doesn't, you don't have to announce it. I'm giving you a word of wisdom. I'm making fun for a reason. Who does that bring glory to? It brings glory to me. It, it up, uplifts me. Guys, I'm telling you, that's why I'm uncomfortable with anything of the sort like announcing here because it, it, it's not about me. The Spirit gives these gifts. I don't own them. The Spirit gives these gifts, as he wills, to every believer. And it's not about me or you. Amen. It's about him using them to help someone else or to witness. Does it make sense? So wisdom, we got to hurry. So knowledge is the next one. <clears throat> the Spirit-led ability to have knowledge for a particular situation, whether spiritual or otherwise. For instance... Uh, maybe it's uh, theological in nature, doctrine in nature. So word of knowledge to help us bring clarity to something that we're, we're not, not understanding. Or another example, that's a spiritual situation. Or maybe it's a practical situation. And one of the best examples that I can think of is Jesus with the woman at the well. They began talking about worship and water and so forth. And then Jesus just tells her, hey, go get your husband and let's talk about this. And then she says, oh, I'm not married. He goes, right. You've been married five times, I think it says, five times, and you're living with the man right now. Now, in my, now Jesus, the disciples didn't go to the town, the village, and say, scope out her, and then come back and tell Jesus, hey, she's been married five times. Nothing like that happened. This is supernatural knowledge that comes from the Spirit about a specific situation, and this woman's life is changed. Do you, understand, you, do you see how these go with witnessing? You see how these go with encouragement? 
And then she goes back to the village and she tells everybody, and they knew her reputation, and they all believe because of what she said. And then Jesus goes to the town and they all believe because of what he said. All because he had a word of knowledge and she says, he told me everything I ever did, all those things. Unbelievable gift of knowledge. Next one, faith. The spirit-led ability to trust God and have and possibly cause others to trust God in any situation. Now, this is not saving faith. In other words, we, we come to the Lord because, because we believe in what he did, and that, that's faith. This is a supernatural gift, a gift of, of faith from the Holy Spirit. One of the, I'll give you a personal example of this. 22 years ago, when we started Hope Fellowship, um, we had 53 our first day. And we thought, we're on our way, right? And it went down from there. Then, a few months later, started January 9th, 2000. In May, Memorial Day weekend, so next weekend, 22 years ago, we had 40-something people, Memorial Day. Because many of you forsake the Lord on Memorial Day weekend, and you go to the lake, and you live in debauchery. No. True statement for some, but... but Memorial Day weekend at church is one of those low, low times. It's just a given, okay? So fine, that's, that's okay. Everybody needs time off. But that day, I remember some of our team, listen, some of our team, one in particular who made this statement, I don't think we're gonna make it. In other words, as a church. Now, I go back to the second week of our church because January 9th, 2000, here in Frisco, Texas, three churches started that same day. I wish I could tell you I was excited for the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Wish I could say, oh, praise God. But I was like, what? What are they doing? You know, that immaturity, that type of stuff. So I was kind of whining to the Lord that week, the second week of our church. I was kind of whining to the Lord. I was praying by a little pond by a golf course, and, and I just put my little lawn chair there, I had my Bible, and I was whining. I was just like, Lord, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to come here anyway. I wanted to go to McKinney, actually. And it wound up that we came to Frisco, and so I was, you know, as we all do, whine before the Lord. We're just like, man, I told you, Lord. Yeah. Three churches started. One of them had 878 people that day. I remember the exact number. And I was praising the Lord with them for the, the big crowd and that second week, I'm praying and whining, and the Lord takes me to Matthew 20. I say the Lord. I think it was the Lord. Takes me to Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. And, he's, and he re, I felt like this in my heart. He said, it's not up to you how many you've been given. It is up to you to steward well what you've been given. Amen. From that moment on, I truly believe God gave me the gift of faith for Hope Fellowship. I never wondered from that second week, uh, well, I guess kind of first week of Hope, never wondered again. So when that guy said, I don't know if we're going to make it, I didn't say a word. I, did, I heard it, and I was like, you're wrong. But I didn't say that. I just, in my heart, I was like, we're going to make it. God is with us. Two months later, we had 114, baptized a bunch of people, and by the end of the year, I mean, it just, you know, went on and on. I really do believe in that, in that instance, he gave me the faith and that, my, my, that faith that he, it wasn't my faith, the faith that, that the Holy Spirit gave me was, was there to help others. And, and here we are today.
Make sense what I'm saying? There's many scriptural examples. Let's go to the next one. We gotta hurry. The spirit-led healing. The spirit-led ability to use God's healing power to restore a person who is sick, injured, or suffering for the glory of God. Uh, greatest example, well, one of the examples is uh, after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John, some of the disciples, they're walking into the temple and there's a crippled man. You remember this? And, and Peter says, silver and gold, I, I don't have any money for you, but what I have is this, rise, get up and walk and be healed. And the guy instantly was healed. Does Peter have the, the miracle working power that he possesses and that just like Jesus, he can just do whatever he wants to? No, it's a Holy Spirit gift. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. So healing when it comes, it's not because you had so much faith. Let me help you understand the faith movement and what it taught and the error of that is works-based. In other words, if you have enough faith, you have enough faith, then you can do this, you can speak this or whatever. In my opinion, that's wrong. All the healing comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. How much greater or how much more perfect could we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done over every situation? Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. But it's not for me to receive the glory. It's not for me to parade around the stage as if I have healing power. I, you, and I have nothing. We are just used. Does that make sense to you? So that, so that you and I can't receive glory. So the gift of healing is all for the glory of God. Not the building of my ministry or the show. It is for the glory of God. This gift of healing. Next gift is much like it. Miracles. The spirit-led ability to perform signs and wonders that give authenticity to God's word and or the good news of Jesus. Peter's miraculous release from prison. Paul and Silas's miraculous release from prison in the, in the Philippian jail and then the jailer and all his family get saved. A miraculous thing that happens in both instances for the sake and the furtherance of the gospel. It's a miracle. A healing is something that, you know, if you're injured, you're sick, whatever. A miracle is something that changes the, the norm, the, the laws of nature, if you will. And that's a miracle. Holy Spirit can do that. He gives gifts that do that. Next one. How many are still with me? How many still with me? Say yes. All right. Prophecy. Prophecy. Spirit-led ability to speak a message from God. Great example, we just read it, Acts 2, Peter preaching, prophesying, I mean, words from God that are, I mean, there are times in which I'm rambling and talking right up here and you're kind of going, and then there are times when you go, ooh, I felt like you were talking right to me. Do you know what that is? I mean, it could be, I think it is. Most, and not because I'm saying it, because I'm so wise. But the Holy Spirit, listen, he knows what you need at the time in which you need it. And this can happen. Listen, none of these have to be announced. None of these have to be, I'm giving a prophetic word. Listen, thus saith the Lord. Guys, guys, help. Let, let's, let's get away from some of the, the, the craziness of this, and let's just walk with the Spirit. And when he moves and he speaks and he, he, he gives a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or the gift of faith or healing or miracles or, or whatever, we just go with it. We just walk with it. I don't need any glory. You don't need to understand what I'm doing right now. I don't stand at the door and open the door for you and say, I'm getting the gift of serving, gift of serving right here. Just wanted you to know. No. We just open the door and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. 
right? You don't announce that. So anyway, the gifts of the Spirit, let's not make them kooky. And some of us, now listen, some of you come from churches because of the abuses of, of these gifts, the excess of these gifts used in all kinds of ways that weren't intended to use or, so to speak, were used. Yeah, you, you, just because somebody misinterprets or misuses Scripture, you don't throw out Scripture. Amen. So just because somebody misinterprets or, or uses some of these gifts or calls them gifts when they're not really the Spirit doesn't mean we throw out the gifts of the Spirit just because somebody abuses them. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So we walk in these. Prophecy is one of the great gifts. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 14. Next gift, which, which is discernment. The Spirit-led ability to determine whether or not a message, person, or event is truly from God, a human, or other spirit. Is that just the flesh? Is it God? Or is that demonic? Great example, Paul's preaching. Remember this? Paul's preaching. For days, this woman, this girl is following them, saying, listen to them. They're giving the word of the Lord. Listen to them. And, and at first, I'm, I, this is what I'm gathering, because it went on for days. Paul's kind of going, this is irritating. Okay, Paul is a type A personality. So he is like, okay, I know what you're saying is right, but uh, this is something's not right about this. I'm not sure what it is. After a few days, he turns around and he discerns. Uh, this was a gift of discernment. You are of the devil. And he rebukes that devil and casts the demon out of her, and she is totally changed from that. That's discernment and miracle. He casts out the demon, miracle. Discernment is going, you're not of God. And that's not even a human. You're not just being obnoxious like we do on Facebook. <laughs> I love you. This is demonic. Discernment. Two more gifts. How many are with me? Stay with me. All right, here we go. Unknown languages. The spirit-led ability to speak in a language or languages that one has never learned, either corporately or privately. Now, this is the one that has gotten all the attention, for the most part, uh, for the last 150 years, the unknown languages thing, tongues. King James translates it tongues, which was what they used in the 1500s. You speak in the, in the tongue of, of Germanic, or you speak in the tongue of France, or whatever. That's what they use. It's a language, okay? So, unknown languages. So, the day of Pentecost, right? We, we've already talked about this. They spoke in a language in which they had never learned. So in other words, if, if I start speaking in a language which I've never learned, let's just say I start speaking in German. Freut euch Christen. Er glänzen der Welt liegt der Weisheit des Heils. Zum seiner Helligkeit. What did I? No, that was a choir song that I learned in high school. <laughs> it really was German. I don't know if it's the right pronunciation. But if I were to speak that language, right, German, and somebody in German here would pick up on Hey, what did you just say? That Jesus loves me or, or whatever, the wonderful works of God? That's what it would be. That's what it would be. And then if it's in a corporate setting, somebody, for those of us who don't speak German, somebody would get up. They've never learned German either, but they said, here's what he said. Jesus is Lord, and he invites you to live a life of purpose with, or whatever the word is, right? And, and they go, whoa, and they get saved. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul gives great detail to this gift, and I encourage you to, to read it. He goes, in the corporate setting, guys, don't make this a crazy show. 
Don't be speaking in other languages just because you can't, because he distinguishes between a corporate gift and a private gift. Many of you speak in another language privately in a, in a, in a prayer time, which is great. Use that, it's a gift. But you don't do that in front of a ton of people because they're not going to be edified because they don't know what you're saying. And let us, unless it is a gift for everyone so that somebody in that audience who is from Germany, or maybe I speak in French, or maybe I speak in, in Russian, that somebody from Russia or France or Germany would hear that and they would turn to the Lord. That would be the corporate gift of tongues. Tongues or languages corporately is not a praise to God. It is a message to an unbeliever. Tongues is a sign for unbelievers, not for believers. So, so much to say, right? It's like, whew, man, so much, but it's good. Unknown languages. Now, the second, or the last, sorry, ninth, is interpretation of unknown languages. The, the spirit-led ability to translate or interpret the gift of languages being spoken back to others in one's own language. Just what I just said. Somebody fills the need. There's, there's somebody, I think there's somebody here from maybe India, maybe a part of India, maybe uh, China, maybe Indonesia, wherever, and they have this gift. A, a great uh, example of this, too, uh, one of our pastors on staff a, year, a few years ago, Larry Hopkins, he was on a mission trip to Mexico, and a blind lady and an, and a, an interpreter came up to him and said, through, through in English, in Spanish, saying that she is blind and she would like for you to pray with her. So Larry says, Absolutely. And he begins to pray over her, and he begins to speak in another language that he's never learned, praying over her. Translator's eyes and the woman's eyes open. She's healed of blindness. And the translator looks at him, and she, he goes, you know Spanish? You know Spanish? And he goes, no. He goes, you were just speaking fluent Spanish. Two things happen: a miracle. She, her eyes were, oh, this is somebody I know. Her eyes were opened as he was speaking in an unknown language in Spanish that he had never learned. The translator said, you don't need me. You, you speak it just fine. Guys, because somebody abuses the gift of another language or quote tongues or the interpretation of that, we don't throw it out. Amen. Guys, this is walking with the Spirit. So here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line for all of us. You ready? Here's the bottom line. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love. Because let me just stop there and just say that this is not a us or them thing. I have many friends that believe that the gifts of the Spirit ceased after the death of the apostles. They're called, it's called, the theological term is called cessationism or cessationist. And they believe that the gifts ceased at the death of the apostles. Now, in my opinion, I think they're wrong. I think there is no scriptural evidence of that whatsoever. However, follow the way of love. I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad because they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mad. I don't, I don't disassociate with them because they don't believe. I, I'm just like, okay. Hey, I love you. Dear friends, dear friends. We don't use these gifts to manipulate. Paul says, hey, listen, you can speak in all the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. 
And can I tell you, everybody look at me. I was raised with a, in, this, in, this, in this environment, Pentecostal, and they're some of the meanest people on the planet. They can be. Now, they can be some of the greatest people. But they can be mean. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Mean, judgmental, harsh. I mean, all that stuff. That's not the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Guys, just because you weren't raised with this, don't be afraid of it. This is a walking with, a filling with the Holy Spirit. So your homework this week, your homework this week is to say, Lord, whatever you want for me, there, there, there is a spiritual gift for every believer. We can be used in any of these gifts at any particular time. Your homework is to say, Lord, I've heard this all before, and wow, gave me some clarity. I don't know if I agree with that, that, whatever, that's fine. Or, and I've never heard this before, but Lord, I want anything and everything that you have. I want to walk in your gifts. I want to walk with the Spirit. I want this filling of the Spirit to, to be overflowing in my life like rivers of living water. So your, your homework is to say, Lord, give me anything and everything you want. Now, many of you will say, hey, could you do the miracle thing, not tongues? Right? Some of you are like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Guys, if you ask the Lord for a fish, will he give you a scorpion? If, he ask, if you ask him for bread, will he give you a stone? Well, then how much more will he give the gift of the Holy Spirit when you ask? Lord, your word is um, powerful. So, Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do in our hearts and lives. And some of us that have not been walking with you, not been walking in the power, not been walking in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that we would be open, surrendered, and that we would be able to say with our hearts, God, use me. However you want to use me, I am open. I pray that you would fill us to overflowing. That every level of our walk with the Holy Spirit would be the highest level. Father, we love you. And for those who have never confessed Jesus as Lord, you said in First Corinthians 12, Paul said it this way, you cannot do so without the Holy Spirit giving you that power to say Jesus is Lord. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And I pray for those who have never crossed that line, who have never said, Jesus, you are Lord and I'm giving you my life. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I believe in who you are and what you did. Fill me with your spirit. Use me however you want. Lead me, guide me transform me. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.